Greetings, my name is Patrick and I'm an alcoholic in recovery. Today is Saturday, January 13th, 2024. Today I'll be reading from the AA Grapevine from November of 1999. And this is from the letters section. And the title of it is uh, Rest in Peace from Nashville, Tennessee. And it goes as such. A resentment has a relentless life of its own. You may forget about it for a day or two, even a month, but it's always there, like a pit bull in your neighbor's yard. Back in my drinking days, my family and I lived in a one in one half of a duplex, and our landlord lived in the other half. He often heard our, heart, our heated arguments and finally asked us to move. While we were in the process of moving, he noticed a scratch in the hardwood floor and angrily seized some of our belongings as repayment for the damage. It didn't take long for my resentment to fester. Fueled by alcohol, I plotted dozens of murder scenarios. For three long years, I planned this man's death until the day I found out he'd been dead for two years. <laughs> I've been sober now for 26 years, and the steps have been my blueprint for letting go of deep and poisonous resentments. And I let newcomers know what I learned the hard way. When the insanity of a resentment takes the driver's seat, even a dead man can live rent-free in your head. And that's from Charlie B. Thank you, Charlie. Well, uh, as witnessed as recently as last night, we heard our main speaker, Bob, talk about those two little girls when he was eight years old, saying how he looked funny. And 20-some-odd, almost 30 years later, he still remembered those two little girls as if it were a driving force in his life. You know, those, those feelings he had towards just two little kids, probably in and out of his life for no more than 10 <clears> seconds all those years, still remain rent-free in his head. Amen. Somewhere buried in the uh, recesses or, or whatever of his mind. Yeah, what a great talk at the park last night. Um, you know, when he was describing that, he goes, oh, I was with my grandmother. We just came out of the store, and I'm pushing the cart. Um, but... 90 pounds, skinny with freckles and stuff, two yeah. teeth, and, you know, he's, how the kids are starting to grow up. Mm -hmm. And I thought he was going to say, these cholos came up. and did, yeah, I That's what was, I thought, too, I thought these gangbangers. And... Yeah, I thought something really terrible <laughs> yeah. was going to happen. He got a resentment, and he says, these two little girls ran up there, and they pointed at him. There he is. <laughs> they laughed yeah, at him. Yeah. And he lived with that resentment for, what, 30 years? 20-some-odd years. <laughs> but see, now because of him, he that triggered something in me. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm starting to think, did I ever have little kids like that in my life? And uh, I can bet the farm that I probably have if I uh, sit down and think about it long enough. Um, and have they been a driving force? Perhaps, I don't know. Uh, they've affected me, if at all. You know, that's a very good point. I probably detest some people because they remind me of that guy that um, said, yeah, you know, in in kindness of words, he, sa he said, your mama wears combat boots, you know. Uh -oh. That kind of deal. It was back and forth. I probably was right in there, but they're usually taller and stronger. And I remember just hitting this one guy crying because he was just, you know, there were a bunch of guys and they were just uh, capping on me. And I couldn't stand it anymore. And I, and I went to the main guy oh. that was sitting down, and I punched him in the stomach and the chest, uh -huh. and I ran home. I yeah. crazy locked, locked myself in. <laughs> but, you know, he was bigger, of course, and stuff. 
Yeah, I got one uh, not, just now came to mind. We were kids at uh, New York's uh, JFK airport waiting to pick up my dad from a business flight. One of my younger brothers was still a baby and I was holding him up to the water fountain. And right behind me, I heard this woman's voice, an older woman saying, I hate little kids. And I turned around and it looks straight out of central casting from the movies, wearing a mink coat with a cigarette holder and all that. It looked really uppity and stuck up. And I slipped and my little brother, the top of his eyebrow hit uh, the, mm. the spigot and uh, required stitches. And he still has the scar to this day. Wow. So um, that he has the physical scar. I'm not scarred for life because of that old bat or anything, but... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, that old elderly woman. Um, <laughs> wow, that's a story, man. Uh, yeah, well, that's... There, I just got it out of me. I just vented. Thanks, you old bat. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I heard a guy... Uh, I, I heard a guy that... that um, I, I was trying to work with him, get him to run meetings and so forth. So I had to pull away the bag from him, the meetings and so forth, because he just could not handle responsibility. All of a sudden, he says, I want to handle the money. I want to do this. You're fired, and all kinds of uh, off the wall stuff. And he had like a week. He had just come back. Mm. Me and Raul thought that if we give him a little responsibility, he'll start blooming. But a lot of people they can't handle responsibility. They become Napoleons. You know? mm. <laughs> and uh, so I was a little resentful with him. I had to talk to him on the side, and he kept on going. I said, "Well, come on, man. What are you going to do? Well, come on, you know." And um, and uh, He's at the park there. He comes every once in a while to, to rattle my cage. And he was at the meeting the other day, and there was a lady there with those white dogs, and he goes, I hate dogs. I go, wow, oh. I never met anybody that hated dogs, but I couldn't get that out of my head that a person would say, I hate dogs. Oh. I go, wow, no wonder I don't get along with him, right? So I got to pray for him, and uh, thank God I haven't seen the guy. <clears throat> building a resentment all right well let's move on my turn i'm gonna go ahead and read uh some valuable insights by anonymous from new york new york <clears throat> how bill writing in the 12 and 12 helped him through a challenging time in his sobriety seemingly out of nowhere in my seven year sobriety oh by the way this is the grapevine of two, june 2023 Seemingly out of nowhere, my seven years sobriety in AA, I sank into a deep depression. The false promise of a drink was never far from my mind. I retreated from meetings. I stopped answering my phones. Days turned into weeks and months. I finally sought professional help. I didn't know if I could stay sober without some relief. One day, I'm not sure what precisely triggered it. I remember a speaker that I had heard at a step meeting during my first year. The speaker recounted our co-founder Bill W.'s experience with depression and sobriety. <clears throat> Noting that this was also the period when he wrote the book, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. The process of writing each day, while quite difficult, even painful for Bill, proved therapeutic. The memory of this share prompted me to dig out my 12 and 12, curious to see what I might find. From the first page, I could hear Bill's familiar voice. Although I detected a new melancholy, he wrote, If temperamentally we are on the depressive side, we are apt to be swamped with guilt and self-loathing. 
we may sink to touch a point of despair that nothing but oblivion looks possible and as a solution. Wow. <clears throat> this is how I felt. Bill must have felt this way too. In my reading of the 12 and 12 during this time, I found a more patient Bill than I did in the big book. Perhaps he was tempered by years of experience in the fellowship and his own struggle. For example, in the 10th step chapter, Bill offers six different ways to go about the practice of inventory rather than sitting on one. <clears throat> in the 11th step, he acknowledges that we may be seized with a rebellion so sickening that it becomes impossible to pray it had for me. Instead of shaking his head, Bill encourages us not to think too ill of ourselves and to resume our practice when we can. I welcome Bill's gentleness, a gentleness that I could not yet give myself. Line after line also pull up my own memories. The H&R person where I work who broke her anonymity to help me the old-timer with clouds and silver hair who listened patiently to my fears about writing a fourth step, then invited me to trust her experience and do it anyway, reassuring me that everything would be all right. Dinner with my sponsor at a Chinese restaurant before my fifth step where I was so nervous, I kept eating food off of his plate. <laughs> a moment of clarity about myself during a nine-step amend with a former employer who showed me why I struggle so to get along with people. Who showed me why I struggle so to get along with people. Holding hands and reciting the serenity prayer with great ill patients in the AIDS ward of a local hospital, some of whom I knew from AA meetings. Reading the 12 and 12 reminded me that I had started on a path and that I was still on the path. Although clearly drifting from it, I was still a member of AA if I wanted to be, still a member of a fellowship that had helped me so much. It was at this point that I picked up the phone and called an old friend in the program, unsure that he would remember me. Of course he did, and asked if he would meet me for coffee. Before writing this account of my seven and eight years, I reread the 12 and 12. I reread cover to cover in two cities, one for the steps, the other for the traditions. It's remarkable how many of AA's most valuable insights about getting and staying sober and living a meaningful, happy life are contained in, this, in its pages. Fear is the chief activator of our defects. Willingness is the key the spiritual axiom, restraint of tongue and pen, emotional hangover. Pain is the touchstone, the beginning of the end of isolation. The pause, emotional sobriety, and joy of living is the theme of the 12th step. In my early years in AA, I could sure spot a bleeding deacon that Bill warns us about in tradition too. Now in my fourth decade, I'm conscious of not becoming one. That time Bill spent writing about our steps and traditions has a, apparently helped lead him out of his depression. Rereading the 12 and 12 in my seventh year helped lead me out of mine. And like Bill, I stayed sober. This is what the 12 and 12 represents to me. Hope. 
That was from Anonymous, New York, New York. Oh, what I got from there, as I started reading this, the first thing I got was uh, how the speaker last night, our friend Bob, said that when his 36-year-old daughter with twins and a six-year-old, and the twins, I think, were three-year-old, uh, was dying of a, a bone cancer and had like a year and a half to live. And he said in, in order to keep his mind straight, he would work with a new alcoholic. Didn't take him to the book. Just kept looking forward, working with somebody. I kept thinking about that, how he, he brought it home to me. And so, and I, I thought about the, the guy that's drinking, that's at the park and living in the park, living up in the mountains, 39 degrees, temperature on the bicycle, is trembling, and, and uh, he's thinking about suicide. And, and me, jokingly, I said, well, I'll help you. You know, and I'm just... He doesn't, he doesn't even hear me, you know. He's just talking. Uh, that's the gentleman that I said that he's 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 still crying because his sister died 10 years ago mm. and drinking and pounding beers away. So I need, I need to work with him more often, go over there and look for him and see what he needs. Before I, I take his phone and I take my, my battery so I can charge his phone at the meetings and, and just let him know that I'm his friend. So I'm telling him to thank God uh, so he can have closure, to thank God for the for what happened, to thank God for his life just the way it is. He agreed to do it for 30 days. Now, this January, I asked him to do it for the whole year, you know, and uh, he, he's going back to a waste, but he seems more calmer this year than he did last year at the beginning and more receptive. That's what I got. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I just got through uh, some kind of uh, depressive uh, funk in my life, and I was tr during that period. Uh, a lot of it was uh, self-imposed isolation, which uh, to me, there's a lot of parallels between drinking and isolation. And one of the common denominators was was I was thinking, is this a case of self-pity or depression? Wow. Which one is it? Am I sitting around thinking about my past and, and uh, you know, all of my dwelling on my failures and my shortcomings and all the people I've hurt and how I amount to less than zero and all that? And uh, did I pray? Yeah. After the prayer, I'm like, what's the use? Here I am. I'm still feeling the same way, you know, useless. And uh, finally... I, I this I don't know if this has anything to do with uh, recovery. Maybe it does. I remember you know some some of those movies where the athlete gets injured. They say, "Walk it off, man," or "Play through the pain." And so I just kept, for some reason that I just kept thinking that little by little. And then another thing, probably from the program that I learned is this is temporary. This will pass. Just you know, walk it off. You know, play through the pain. So little by little, in order to get out of that one, and I'm lucky I got out of it in one piece with a few of my marbles and uh, sanity sobriety, um, I just started saying, well, it's not going to get better just thinking, sitting around thinking about it. And uh, Fernando was saying, well, you know, just now how he uh, got involved with others, for me, I had isolated so bad that I thought, you know what, who the hell wants to 
to see me. I'm nothing but a downer right now. So I took it upon myself to start doing little, little tiny things, little psychological victories. Like do, my, do simple stuff, shave, shower, do my laundry, clean my room, make my bed. And in one hour, I just kind of felt a little sense of accomplishment. And that just started the ball rolling. Well, maybe I'll get on the phone and call somebody and say hi and see how they're doing instead of, you know, I spent the last two months worrying about how shitty I feel. So, uh, to make a long story short, uh, when uh, Fernando just now was referring to him uh, getting outside of himself and the speaker we heard last night, uh, who indeed lost his daughter, uh, he got out of himself by helping others. So... It seems to work for them, and if it's good enough for them, it's probably good enough for anybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go ahead and stop right there. Or. <clears throat>